welcome to the Great Exposure Podcast. I am your host, Tanner Sigfort, owner of a booking agency called Groove Booking. I created this podcast to feature all of the incredible artists I work with, and through our conversations, getting to know them, plus providing info on the music industry. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So do you usually um, record a lot of covers? Or is this kind of like a new venture for you? Um, I'm trying to get more into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, do I need like how far should I be from this? As close as you um, are. Also, I, I yeah, love three, these microphones, man. I need to get one of these for myself. The beautiful part about these microphones is like I remember seeing Charlie Puth post. I don't know if it was a Instagram or TikTok or something like that, and he's like, he he was talking about how easy it was to have one of these mics, and it's not like they're I think, I think they're like two fifty, three hundred bucks. So I mean, yeah. depending on what you consider cheap, I yes. understand. But like, you could go way crazier and get a thousand dollar microphone. Yes. And now we're talking about like, okay, that's that's really breaking the bank, right? Yeah. But he was talking about how easy it is. Like, you can hold these, you can put them on a stand, and yeah. and he says that I record straight into this, and yeah. that's what and that's what a lot of the songs you're hearing on Spotify. That's he's recording on these. Uh, some of his songs, I know he okay, was. That's now, awesome. That's I great. can't say like, oh, every single Ch- Charlie Pooh song is recorded on yeah. SM7B. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Yeah. I thought it was <laughs> B7. Um, but I do remember specifically one of his social media things just being like, this is how quick and easy it is. And yeah. So, and, and the nice thing is that it's built with a pop filter. Yeah. That's what's really yeah. nice. No, they're great. Um, so, I mean, for pretty affordable at least for one like you get a really really quality microphone yeah. that it's ready to go yeah so i really love that yeah i've been looking into them recently i just don't do too much podcast stuff yet so well but even for singing i'm saying <coughs> yeah okay yeah you yeah know? and and that too yeah i've got one that i it's like an mxl i think is the company one of their like little double packs where they sell like the condenser yep. and um whatever that long microphone is um, but I bought it at like Black oh, like Friday. Pencil mic? Yeah. Yeah. I, bl- I bought it Black Friday 10 years ago, you know, just when I was like first trying to record yeah. for I think like 150 bucks and I still use it and it still sounds halfway decent. Yeah. But, you know, as you know, I've been trying to build a studio and figure out, you know, what the better gear is out there and everything. It's, right. It's just at what point do you say, okay, I got to get something new. So. Well, so like my first set of mics was um, CAD. Okay. And it came with like snare mic, three tom mics, kick, and two pencil condensers. They're actually, those are, um, those are Rhodes mics that I okay. have two of, but, but they're, they were very similar size. Yeah. And like when I was just learning recording, and, and keep, it, <laughs> keep in mind, I was recording into... Um, do you remember the brand Korg? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, because they, they they make keyboards, I think, or like yeah. synthesizers and stuff. Yeah, I think so that's, that's what, what I know them do. from mostly. But they made a all-in-one recording unit that was like yay big, and it had like a little wasn't even touchscreen at the time, but a little analog screen, you yeah. know, those green screens. Yeah. Um, and that's what I l- learned to record into. Awesome. So everything was like <clears throat> raw. Yeah, very raw. <laughs> and uh, so then when I got into Logic, I was like, this is so much easier. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Way easier. Yeah. But so what are you using right now for recording? 
Logic. You are yeah, Logic, Logic okay. and then those those two microphones. Um, I have like a Focusrite, you know, four i four and another Focusrite like con- uh, compressor that I'm using. Oh, so but, you, so you do have like an analog compressor? Yeah, like a, like a pre compressor. Yes, okay. yes. Um, it's I think like 15 years old, but it still does a great job. You know, some so, of that older stuff is that's like, the best. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like one of those that you could like throw off a building and it would barely dent. You know? Yeah, like old uh, like uh, Nokia phones. Yes, exactly. Um, like basically anything made before yeah. like you know 2008. Um. But yeah, I, I'm just recording in my room. I turned my closet into a vocal booth. Great. And so when I'm ready to record, I just take all the shirts out and I lay them on my bed, you know, <laughs> and then I go do that. Uh, this morning I was trying to record guitar and I just like got two music stands or uh, mic stands and I put them up and I put blankets on top of them, you know, mm-hmm. and just anything janky like is what I'm doing. But, you know, for a long time, I think, as you know somebody who like studies albums every now and then i'm like oh man they must have had like the best studio like they must have had the greatest gear and then you go watch some interview and they were like oh yeah i was in some log cabin in the middle of wisconsin you know and had one microphone that i bought at goodwill and and they recorded that album and and i think and that's like an iconic sound now yes absolutely you know and and it's just that type of stuff. I feel like I hear those stories almost every day and has completely changed my perspective. Oops. We're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just had the output muted, but... Okay, now you're good. <laughs> um, it's totally changed my perspective on really just like kicking my butt into gear and being like, dude, shut up. Like, just go do it. Yeah. You know? Stop being a freaking wuss. Stop thinking you need to have the best gear and just go record. And, uh, you know, in time, the better gear will come if you want it, if you need it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's it's similar to, and no offense to any of these people if they're listening or watching, but like, you know, you get these older guys who retire, you know, after working in some industry for 50 plus years and they buy like a $7,000 guitar because they can afford it but they know like two chords, you know, and, uh-huh. and, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I just think there's an aspect of like, you know, it, it's more about what you're saying with your music than really like exactly how you sound. So 100%. Yeah. So I'm just learning that as like somebody who slowly is trying to buy nicer stuff that I don't need it. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me, when, when I am looking at, new gear mm-hmm. and I'm really I'm not a gear guy okay my dad I, I I think it's because my dad spoiled me so much growing up mm. I'm an only child okay nice he <laughs> I'll say he is a drummer he hasn't played in a long time yeah. but um, he taught me I think he was way more into that side of things yeah. than the playing part and so when he found that I had this um, skill and then love for it mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that order, but love and skill, skill and love, whatever. Um, I I think he wanted to push me and he, he was, and still is the dad that Tanner needs the best. (laughs) Yeah. And so admittedly, like I was showing up to a lot of gigs. Um, and I've talked about this quite a few times on the podcast, but, um, cause I started playing 
like bar shows with original bands when I was 12. Okay. Nice. Um, which is wild to think about yeah. now. And do we were rolling in at one point with my dad is very, he's a handyman and can build anything. And he took on this project mm-hmm. of building like legit road cases. So I'm talking like my entire kit. I still remember these cases went in two separate cases. So it was like one was a bass drum and then there was like a, a lid with cymbals on top that like screwed down. The other one had all my separate drums and hardware and he bought a freaking trailer, like an enclosed trailer to put all this stuff in. Like he lived and breathed me growing up in music. And so I I just, I grew up with all the best stuff to where, and I still have a ton of that. That's the thing is like, um, it's not out here, but I have a, it's, it's kind of an infamous kit with friends and family, but I have this purple sparkly drum set. That was my first like really nice drum kit and I still have it. Yeah. Um, purple and sparkly kind of goes well with any instrument. I agree. In my opinion, I would happily buy a purple sparkle Uh, guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It's technically broken glass, which is a whole thing with drums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Anyways, that was, that was a long story to say that I am not into gear. Like sure. I don't, I don't look at a bunch of stuff to be like, oh, I need to buy new gear, new gear, new gear. What I have is what I need for the most part. Yeah. But when I do need to buy new gear for if I'm getting into a new venture or whatever it is, I really use YouTube to a a b things because I think it's one of those things that like you can buy a three thousand dollar guitar, but is it really going to sound that much better than a eight hundred dollar guitar? Sure. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's very slight. Yeah. Um, but especially with like microphones, that's a big one. Like when I was buying the, the road mics, I think I bought them over COVID. Um, like when we were in lockdown because the church that I was working at at the time, we were doing all online services, but we were recording from our home and they were continuing to pay me and the worship leader to put these full, uh, um, worship songs together. And so that's really where I got to learn way more about recording. And looking back on that time, I really enjoyed it because it taught me so much. Yeah. But that's what really helped me was like, okay, I'm not making hardly any money during COVID. Like we all weren't in music for the most part. And, but I do need better mics to start doing this. So I'm going to AB, you know, this road mic, I think it's like an NT something, compared to something cheaper and then compared to something quite a bit more expensive. And I started to hear the difference between lower and higher quality. But some of the stuff that you found was like, Oh, those mics sound just as good as one $800 condenser. Yeah. You know, and maybe I'm not as much as a purist as I should be, but it's, it's very interesting to when you are buying gear and getting into recording, like there's some really badass stuff for, not that much money. Yes, totally. And some of that badass stuff is was the highest quality you could have bought 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that that's it for me. You know, it's yeah. like it, these people that are making these products. Yes, they're gonna make some cheaper and some higher end. Like that's that's any business. You know, mm-hmm. but the cheaper stuff is still really good. Typically, you know, often. Are you saying the older <laughs> stuff though? 
the no the or, older or stuff. Anything. I, I think more more than anything, like anything newer, you know, like the if a let's say Sure comes out with a line of microphones and mm-hmm. you have like kind of your base level that's this, you know, whatever, and then you have your highest end. The base level is still going to be probably pretty good compared to some of the highest end stuff that was coming out, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Oh, compared That's to the older compared, stuff. Okay. Yeah, compared to it. Um, as with any th- sort of technology right. and gear kind of comes out, you know, so. Uh, but then it's funny because people want that older stuff, whether it be gaming consoles or recording yes. equipment. I love the older stuff too. Yeah, yeah it's it's rad. I... Uh, I'm currently trying to start this series of covers on my Instagram and TikTok mm-hmm. where I go to Goodwill and I find instruments at Goodwill. Because, you know, there's always like crappy pianos and like microphones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So typically when I go, now I'm buying those things and I'm going to do like a line of covers of like thrift yeah. covers, you know. That's and awesome. so I'm working on one right now. Um, it's a... Uh, What's that? Uh, a Michael Jackson song. Um, I can uh, just start rifling off. MJ's the way you songs. make me feel. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. There's so many. Um, and you know, it's like the it's got the little like drum thing that's already you mm-hmm. know in the piano itself, and you know, you press the button, it goes beep, 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 you know, yep. and stuff like that. Um, but that's but that's a perfect like loop sample to use over a modern day song. Yes, and that's got to be happening way more than we even know. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I saw recently a video of uh, what's that song? Feel Good Inc. by Gorillaz. Yeah, I just saw that. You saw that video? But where explain he, it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I have this like little thing that I bought, and he presses the button, and it's the exact. Yep. beat and the exact sample that is in that song and he goes oh did you remake it he goes no i literally just recorded it straight from this you know and is that like yep. that kind of stuff is you know the most inspiring stuff to me really because it's just taking what we experience every single day mm-hmm. and saying oh there's something here there's something about this um and obviously just pushing that towards music yeah. but it can really be applied in anything um it makes me think of skateboarding i grew up as a skateboarder oh yeah and it's the same thing it's like hey there's a stair set right there and most people would just see that as like that's just a stair set but then a skater would be like i can do a kickflip down that you know and i just think it's such a cool way to live and such a cool way to like also perceive music and songwriting and and production and everything the goodwill thing is a really cool idea thanks man yeah i'm stoked i really like that yeah um but also, if you go, and I don't know if this is necessarily all the case, but if you go to Goodwills in like way higher income areas, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's where you have the chance of like, oh, my father passed away at the age of 85 and I inherited all this stuff. I don't know. I just brought it to Goodwill and yeah. it's like some super ultra rare high end stuff that people have no idea. Totally. And it's actually, it's really bad. But you can actually go on Craigslist and use the keyword um, like estate sales mm. or um, oh, what's the keyword that I, I've seen be used. Um, sometimes will will pop up. Okay. But you'll start finding these ads of like 
just come rummage through all the stuff that I inherited. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of a couple words that I that I've used before because because I read an article somewhere, and and it's totally true because people they basically inherit stuff and they're like I I don't know what to do with it yeah. like because as morbid as it is, but like when my parents pass away, I'm the only child. I will yeah. inherit everything yeah. they have, yeah. and so I will be responsible for selling all of this stuff. Yeah. I don't think my parents necessarily own anything that's like super crazy expensive unique jewelry or anything like that. But there are people like out out there that have a ton of stuff like that. Yeah. And I wouldn't know where to start. I'm not going to research every single product to be like exactly. what does this cost? Exactly. Yeah. And basically everything is a collectible these days. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, I the other day went to Goodwill, I found a $3 film camera and I was like okay this looks awesome I've been trying to get into film a little bit yeah and uh I took it home and I looked it up online it's selling for 350 bucks really yeah a little film camera that is just now sought out in the film world how much you buy for three ball three dollars <laughs> yeah I so like that. there's stuff like that you know that people pass by all the time I was even passing by and I was like oh like it looks cool you yeah. know I should get it I had no idea um, same thing with a keyboard that I bought the other day. Yeah. Just this old Casio keyboard that I thought was awesome. And take it home, look it up, and it's selling for 250 No. Yeah, way. and I bought it for 12 bucks. you know? And so so it's like there's so many things, and I think you won't you probably won't know everything, you know? Yeah. If, you know, with estate sales and everything, you probably I and it's almost a curse now because I walk through Goodwill being like, I'm probably passing by like really nice stuff right now or really sought after stuff. Yeah. But if you just stay within what you're good exactly. at in your interest, exactly. I'm sure there are people out there, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that go through goodwill and they're just very knowledgeable on everything. Cause there's probably people that do this for a living. Yes. Buy and sell. Totally. I shouldn't say probably. There are definitely people there that do this for a living. Yeah. Whether it's just goodwill, they're going to a bunch of different thrift garage sales, thrift stores, whatever it may be. Um, but I think, but I think the technology side of things is like if you just go into a Goodwill and go to instruments and bicycles, bicycles mm-hmm. is a big one, mm-hmm. um, cameras, computer stuff. Like, I feel like those are really the ones that you might buy a computer that like that person just thought it was a PC and there's like a high end graphics card in it that nobody knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, the keyboard aspect is super cool though because those are. Those are really in with producers. It's yes. like yes. they'll buy a cheap keyboard for one single sound. Yes. Because it's it's hard to emulate yep. or whatever it may be. Yep. I want to be that type of guy. <laughs> that you should be. So, way too many keyboards, you know? And it's just like it's, it's it opens up a new world of possibilities for sounds, mm-hmm. you know? It, it's so great. And that was the keyboard that I plugged in to start doing that cover. Mm-hmm. And I had to do some janky like all right, this cable out that plugs into this weird adapter that goes into this cable that goes then into my interface. And then I have to do all these crazy like edits to it. But it was great. You know, I was still able to get that sound through. Um, So yeah, it's just like, it's another exciting aspect of almost the gear world Mm -hmm. that is like, it's almost backwards. It's saying I'm going to reject needing the nicest stuff and, and go after like just these cool, unique things. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. We also live in a world of instant gratification. Yes. 
So when you do want a certain sound, if if you hear on let's keep Charlie Puth the running theme. Mm-hmm. If you hear on a Charlie Puth song this super unique synth, it's probably not that hard to look it up, find what it is and go Oh, cool. Well, this uh, sound pack that I can buy for 40 bucks on the internet has that plus everything else. Yeah. But I certainly think that having it as like an analog original keyboard sound, especially when you're saying that you like have all these like adapters that you had to do, like it to some people that might say that, oh, that's going to lead to a, 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 a not highest quality sound. Mm-hmm. But there's so many presets and, and uh, post-edit stuff and EQ that you can do that it becomes kind of your unique sound. And yeah. I mean, that's my problem with recording DAWs is like, as I'm looking at mm-hmm. Logic here, Sure, <laughs> there's so many settings mm-hmm. and that's a downfall for me because I don't know a lot of them yeah. and it's something that I'm continuing to learn. But I think, I think it can also consume your life. Yeah. So it's like if you find something that sounds good, just just use it. Yeah. Just go with it. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, we should probably introduce you. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesse. Hey. How do you pronounce your last name? Franchetter. It is Franchetter. Yeah. We went but, through this at the conference. Yes. Show. No, it's all good. But I I go by Jesse French. Okay. Because better. typically people can't uh, pronounce that last name, so Jesse French is my stage. Yeah, name. but when but when you then. tell somebody what it is it's not hard to say exactly yeah it's not like i know but i had i think i did it because one time i was like going on stage and somebody was like and next up we have jesse frankateri yeah (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh you know and and you don't you don't go up and say it's frankateri you don't correct them you know and so um it's not awkward though yes like I've, i've had people introduce my last name as it, as long as it's not wildly off, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Or, yeah. But if but if they're like Sigfort, yeah, like my last name is Siegfort, yeah, pup. Uh, if they're if they're a little bit off, I'm just like, sure, cool. Yeah, I get you. So uh, they've been really off for me. So that's why I go by Jesse French. Yeah. Um, let's take a pause real quick. Yeah. And um, I'll probably just let my dogs in. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, go for it. Enjoy this commercial. Yeah. What can I say? We'll give it up. My name is Brian Chartrand. I am a singer-songwriter based in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called So the Story Goes. This podcast was started a couple years ago uh, just so I could connect with creatives and to see how they were staying creative during the pandemic obviously we have evolved beyond that uh, which is great I'm having really fun conversations uh, with musicians but also just you know generally creative people people in the industry and I love having these conversations how you're staying creative what you're doing uh, what's happening so if you love music if you love creative people Uh, Please check out my podcast. It's called So the Story Goes. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And I'm super stoked for Tanner 
who is doing an incredible podcast called Great Exposure. Not only is Tanner a great booking agent, but he is a really compelling podcaster. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Tanner. Appreciate you, buddy. I work with Tanner as a musician here in town when I'm not on the road. And I love what he does. I love the podcast. Check out So The Story Goes. Hope to see you on the road. Okay. Dogs are in here. See how this goes. It's a party. (laughs) I'm like needing to avoid petting this one right here. Like the nose keeps pushing my arm. It's so hard not to. She is so needy. Goldens are needy by nature. Yes. But she's another special kind of needy. She's cute though. She's adorable. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, playing drums or... Oh, so we got... I'm trying to think here. So I got this little one down here. I don't think he's in the camera shot. Uh, when we lived in our first rental home, my wife and I, and I only had electronic drums at that time because yeah. I it was a pretty tiny home sure, and yeah. I was trying to be respectful. Um, I don't think I ever played real drums in that house. And we were only in that house for like a year or so. Um, but I was also gigging a ton, yeah. so I didn't like crave to come back yeah, home and be like, sure. I want to play. Um, but as soon as we moved into our first home home, um, he was just fine. Because I was always wondering, like, what are the dogs going to react with very loud sounds? Yeah, He was fine. Got the golden Remy here. Completely fine. Yeah. Uh got her and i thought she was gonna freak out yeah and i swear if you bump the camera stand this is chaos this is why i'm getting a camper yeah. as a mobile podcast yeah. studio um that's not why but yeah. <laughs> it's a good reason uh and yeah she's t- completely fine like I-, I i would expect that i would get done practicing in here walk out into the living room and they're like hiding in the closet exactly they're yeah. asleep yeah i'm like interesting that's wild yeah that's yeah my wife's really like i need headphones <laughs> <laughs> like if the dogs can handle who have like three times the amount of hearing that we do right yeah yeah i've always been very uh careful about that too because yeah. i'm like i would never want to like smash a drum kit while they're in here yeah but overall like my you know my wife's opened the door while i'm playing and they run in here and they're just like what's going on yeah I'm like it doesn't hurt your interest my ears yeah i know seriously <laughs> badly um so anyways so now we have dogs in here. We'll see how this goes. Um, is she on the chair? Yeah, she's just scratching the back of it, but she's being cute. It's all right. Um, so I kind of want to talk about when we... So we met... Well, we've met several times, um, but we went and like hung out at a coffee shop the other day and started talking about... Um, can we talk about this publicly? Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. I haven't sent out the messages yet, no, that's but fine. yes, we, we can. We're not going to give too many yeah. clues, but... Um, you are wanting to do artist house. Do you want to call it house concerts? What, what do you I, kind of? I I look at it more like a songwriter circle. Okay. Yeah, I think I do want to come up with some cool creative name to it. But for right now, no. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I think a songwriter circle is is what we're going for yes. because yeah, there will be friends and family there potentially mm-hmm. uh with the artists yeah it's not like we're selling tickets to just general public yeah um but i'm just i'm very happy that someone is 
starting this and trying to put it together and and thank you so much for having me be somewhat a part of it because the songwriter circle is so important and you know how you said that it seems like this tight-knit community but we still don't all know each other super well um so that's going to be a great way to do that Mm -hmm. and the original scene just doesn't seem to be super um, well supported mm. here. Yeah. So I, I kind of want you to just talk on what your plan is and yeah. as much as you want to talk about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love music and I love writing songs, mm-hmm. but I think more than that, I have like a bigger passion just for like people and community. And like if, if if music for some reason, somebody was like, Hey, you you get to like play music for the rest of your life, but you can't really like do community stuff. I'd be like, screw that. I'm going to go do something else, you know, because uh, the whole, the whole point of music to me is like bringing people together for this, like, cool experience, love of music, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as it should be, as it should be, you know? And, and I think I've just like been really blessed in my life to have really great community around me. I grew up in the same house, same neighborhood my whole life, you know, and, and I'm still best friends with kids from kindergarten. Like we're like, we're having our 25 year friend versary this year. Yeah. And wait, from elementary school? Yeah, from kindergarten. Like, yeah, we're no way. Yeah, like we're all in each other's weddings. Like, we're all. Um, it's just really cool, you know. I've I've just been like in my life had that kind of stuff, and so so how, I how 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 big of a group is this that you're still um, good friends the, with? There's nine of us. They didn't. We weren't all in the same kindergarten class, but we all went to high school together. Okay. Um, and yeah, we have like our favorite thing to do is play croquet. So dude, I I don't know if I've ever played croquet. <laughs> really? It's we like drink beer and play croquet and just like, you know, yeah. have conversations and you know, push each other around and you know, just whatever. But uh yeah, uh, since high school. What, what what school? Kindergarten. Uh Valvista Lakes Elementary School. Okay. In Valvista Lakes in okay. Gilbert. Um, it's it's so cool that you bring up elementary school because I have so many good memories from elementary yeah. school. And I think a lot of people, if you ask them, they'd be like, I don't really remember that much about it, right? Yeah. But like, I had a great, that's that's, that's where I peaked. Sure. I yeah, peaked in I think me school. too, for sure. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. literally all downhill from exactly. there until like adulthood. And then I figured things out. Yeah, but exactly. junior high and high school, sure. I want to forget. Yeah. No, I get that. Anyway, so. Anyway, so, so yeah, community is super important to me. Um, before I was doing uh, full-time being a full-time musician, I was living in San Francisco working as, um, my role was family and community engagement coordinator at a middle school. Okay. That was my specific role. I was with a nonprofit and it was essentially figuring out how can we get every member of a middle school community together to better support these kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a title one school, so they didn't have a lot of money and, uh, I basically just did like family game nights. I brought in like outside organizations to come in and do clubs for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we would do like lessons on online safety. Uh, you know, when COVID hit, we just 
like sent food to different houses and stuff. It just, it was really great. And I'm so passionate about that type of stuff. Um, like I said, I love music, but if, if I had to choose a career, it would probably be more in regards to community stuff. Right. Um, you're using music to bring and so if together. I can if I can bring the both together, that's what I'm trying to do. So that's where the songwriter thing comes in of like, okay, I've been now officially doing music. Uh, what is the date today? The eighth. So uh, five months and one week. You know, full time doing that. And so, oh, like no bullshit. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like that's like I I quit my job and I started doing it full time five months ago. You know, oh, okay. and uh, and it's been really great. But I have only met one other musician in that entire five months, and besides that, it's just me alone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it can be a really lonely job. Yeah, and so, but and it's so niche. Also, you know, like we're we're creative people. We're we're engaging with different people all the time, and so. I know I've been craving community and craving like just, I mean, it goes back to similar what we were talking about, finding these different instruments at like thrift shops. There's, it opens up this world of like, of like, okay, what, like what can happen when I like find this instrument? And it's the same thing with people like, oh, like this is a really great songwriter. Like what happens if we write a song together or like how can this person inspire me? Right based off of who they are or their experiences and, and maybe they're more experienced than I am. And, and so there's just such a great community of songwriters out here and artists that there's nothing built right now for us to come together. And so that's essentially what I want to start. And I don't know exactly how to do it. I kind of feel like the new guy on the block a little bit. You know, I was living in California for a long time. I'm yeah. new to this whole thing out here. Um, but you were born here, obviously. And I was then born you here. Went to San Fran. Yes, and then and I uh, came back about a year and a half ago. Okay, yeah. Okay. So um, did you have a similar uh, uh, career when you moved back here? I I immediately started working at a coffee shop. Okay, but oh, mythical, mythical, right. yeah. Shout out mythical, best yeah. shop in Arizona, in my opinion. Um, but part of the reason why I wanted to work there is because that was the community center of Gilbert of a lot of the Phoenix area, all the creatives are going to mythical right now and they're, oh, cool. they're working from there. They're meeting together and I wanted to be part of that, you know? And, yeah. and so, uh, I got a job there and, you know, I got to serve these people and have conversations with them. And then they found out I was a musician and started inviting me to different things. And, and, uh, it was really great, you know? And so, uh, and all of those people inspire me so much. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's just the same thing with musicians. I'm so inspired by so many different songwriters out here. There's so much talent out here. And it's probably selfish, but I'm just like doing myself a disservice by not meeting them, not hanging out with uh-huh. them, you know? And so uh, so this this is just an excuse for me to make some really cool friends, essentially, you know? and And to learn from them and to hopefully just like create a space for them to learn from each other too and, yeah. and not feel so lonely. Yeah. So being a solo artist is just, it's a lonely job. It's a lonely job. And it's something that I never knew until I started DJing. Ooh. And then I was going to all these corporate events and gigs and I was like, Oh, I don't have like a buddy to hang out with. Yeah. Cause I was only doing 
duo through full band stuff. Yeah. I I was a quote unquote secondary musician. Yeah. I was always supporting an artist. Sure. And so when I started doing the DJ thing, I I don't think I even realized it until I showed up for my first gig and it was like, I went to take a break or whatever and I was like, oh, I'm not even going to take a break because you're sitting standing in the corner like... Waiting for him yeah. to be over, yeah. And the guy on the phone just like uh, yeah. swiping. Yeah. And then Instagram. when you're on, you're the fun guy. You know, people yeah. want to come up to you and say hi, which is so great. I love that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But like, you're kind of this like really, it seems like, it seems like a social job. It is, you know, yeah. you're meeting new people all the time, but you're not necessarily developing relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think for any of us out in any career, there's a difference between being social and growing relationships. Right. You know? And so I think that's what I've been missing. I'm I'm meeting hundreds of people every week and I get to be the fun guy, but that's not enough for me, you know? And yeah. and that doesn't feed my soul. And so uh and I'm sure it's very similar, you know, DJs and musicians out here yeah. and probably anywhere. Just like how do we how do we continue to try to find those opportunities to feed our souls in regards to relationships? Right. Yeah. Well, so on the same theme of the songwriter circle, um, that's, that's where my passion lies that I, that I really want to get more into Mm -hmm. is just supporting original music in general. Um, I've been very lucky with my company to have so many different contacts on the client side, on the artist side. And I'm like, cool. I found, I found a career that I can make a living where I I personally don't have to go gig five, six, seven nights a week as I was doing at one time. Yeah. I, I admittedly don't love performing music nearly as I do uh, just listening and watching and the concerts, the experiencing it. Now I love performing, but this is going to sound maybe bad, but like if somebody said like you could never perform again, I'd be like, okay, sure. (laughs) It's kind of bad, but, but if somebody said, Hey, you can never go to a concert and experience and listen to music again, I'd be devastated. Yeah. As I hope any musician yes, would be. Totally. Yeah. But but I truly think that a lot of artists really crave the performing aspect of it. And it's just it's not my full passion. So when I had to really take a deep look at that, I thought, well, why am I not creating a an environment for for me and others to experience music and concerts. And so I I, I thought of a, a question to kind of ask myself and, and others um, just this past week. And it was, what's the difference between a gig and a concert? I don't know if there's a great answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um I can kind of tell you what I think, but that's not exactly what's important. To me, what if we started advertising, and by we, I mean 
the places we're playing at, uh, promoting it as the artists that we are. But what if we started promoting our regular gigs as concerts? Because at the end of the day, when you go play at, you know, the places that I'm booking you at, uh, Montauk, Montauk, Forum. Jojo Coffee, yeah. Forum, um, you've played a lot of places. Yeah. But if we just started saying like, oh, go see Jesse live in concert mm. on Saturday, August 15th, whatever. Would it change anything? Would it change how people perceive live music? Mm -hmm. Because while I do think and know that live music has a huge benefit on establishments, at least it can if it's handled right um, by multiple parties. When when you just say that we're having live music, I... I mean, it's a good thing that there's so many places to go see live music, but is it now just kind of another place to go see it? Yeah. And so that's where I've really gotten to this headspace of like, would it be more of a benefit to us as artists, uh, as a booking agent, as the establishment? If it's like, if Montauk was like, Hey, this this Wednesday night, six p.m. Come see Jesse live in concert. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it would change anything? Um, I think it would, and I, you know, I love the concept because I do think it like changes one's mentality. But I I will say I don't think everybody has that same mindset. You know, that's the thing. No. You know, when I played at Montauk the other day, there were six bachelorette parties happening at the same time. Yeah. So it was chaos. You it know? is chaos. And but that is that that is that gig specifically. It's always like that and I expect that, you know, at this point. But then I go to the forum mm -hmm. and the forum lights are low, candles on every table. Yep. You know? There's a bar on the side and the stage is dead center with great lights on it. And there were people who came specifically to listen to the live musician. Oh, good. Which was awesome, you know? Um, and so, and I, I treat both of those differently. You know, I still, I still love both. Like, they're, yeah. they're fun for me in, in different but ways. But they're very different experiences. Very different experiences. And so, I wouldn't necessarily... I, I never try to look at anything as like, hey, like, you know, everybody shut up and listen to me, you know, because right. <laughs> you that know, wouldn't go well at Montauk. That wouldn't go well. <laughs> and sometimes I really enjoy just kind of like adding to the vibe of a place, you know, right. it, it is nice, but it also is nice for me to explore the artistry side of myself. And when I am having more concert type setting, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I can be more intentional about the way I'm singing something about the way I'm playing guitar, um, about what I say on stage, you know, if people are truly listening, okay, let me like try to be encouraging in this moment, you know, like, mm -hmm. let me like point to somebody specifically and like compliment their shirt. I don't know, whatever, you know, right. um, you know, uh, but if I'm playing where all the, you know, bridal parties are happening, um, 
or the bachelorette parties, I sang a Taylor Swift mashup and they all went crazy, yeah. you know? <laughs> and They still enjoyed it, yes. but it's just such a different, different atmosphere. Exactly, you know? And so um, I do think it would change things, mm-hmm. but I also understand when things aren't that way. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, I'm not, here's the thing is I'm not like bashing yeah. the atmospheres yeah, that are. are meant for that super upbeat party atmosphere. I'm very, very thankful that they are wanting to even have live music. More what I'm saying is that would it be successful for any one of these places? Mm. And actually, let's take the places that are more of the Montauk loud party atmospheres. If, if, If you said... Again, you know, Wednesday night, we're having Jesse as a concert. Yeah. I'm just wondering if if people would see that and if that would be like, oh, I haven't seen them like advertise it like that before. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wonder if if people's um, way of listening would change if yeah. they would come in and like grab a drink and then like watch you. Yeah. Or is it just like, woohoo, cheers, like down yeah. in shots. Like, yeah. because... Live music makes people happy, and it and and it it does a lot of things emotionally, right? But just the way that you describe it and then perceive it, I'm just interested. Would it change things? Yeah. The Forum Lounge is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Very moody, very vibey, very right? Vibey. And they do a very yeah. good job of yes. that. And it sounds like because they've done a good job of that, it it is more of a place that people have a cocktail and a light bite to eat, and they're there to see live music. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are going to like places like Montauk to see live music, but they're not going there to listen. Yeah, it's, it's cool to have it in the background. It's cool to have it as the atmosphere, but it's not, I'm not going there to like really like listen sure. very carefully, yeah. right? Um, but just kind of as a social experiment, I would love to partner with one of the places that, uh, one of the clients I work with and be like, Hey, can we try like a concert Yeah, and just see if it improves sales? Yeah. If it brings more, um, even if it didn't improve sales, but like brings more people in, if it's like a quieter setting, because I think there's a huge market that, that overall is what I want to see is, is there a market that you can draw those people that you haven't drawn before because it's now a different environment experience. Yeah. I don't know. I th- I think it would. And I think it would be really cool. Yeah. Um and I think that there is a desire for it out there, but like where you know, where exactly do you find that and and if you have these regular places that you're going to, you know, Montauk or JoJo, for example, you know, some of these places, they almost promote themselves as like a live music venue in a way, you yeah. know, like live music every night, you know, it's great. And so, you know, I've walked into some of those places expecting a little bit more of like a stage setup, like sound ready to go. And, uh, and, you know, they're... Yeah, it's just you're kind of in a corner a little bit, you know, which is yeah. fine. I don't I don't need a stage, but I'm just like 
wh- how would that beef up? You know, like how would people yeah. feel? Like how how gr- great would it be if you walked in and it really felt like one of these? I think you go to Nashville and it's like, you know, the you go to like a McDonald's and they have the nicest you know stage in the corner, you know, and you know <laughs> it's. Funny. I think they do really well out there of being like, hey, this is a centerpiece of our establishment. Right. It's not just kind of this additional musician it's like we want to bring this in because we we think music is awesome and we value that yeah so i totally agree with you Uh, i don't know exactly what that looks like but i love that idea of just being like why don't we try this for one night especially with wednesday night or something that it's a little bit slower um i think could be really really cool i think there would be needed like some tweaking to some of these places for sure um but yeah, there's there is a want and a desire for live music out here for sure. Yeah. And I think that you know, the more places that have that, it's better for me to like have more options. Yeah. But as somebody who loves going and watching live music too, it's going to get me out of the house and it's going to get me to go. So, I'm also wondering on the income part of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're doing this for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And it's balancing that the the love aspect of it because we love music and it's a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've also wondered like, is there a way to put together instead of us having to like kill our voices and and stuff? And I, I shouldn't say our because I don't go do solo gigs. <laughs> yes, singing. I kill my voice. Sometimes. So yes. Jesse kills yes. his voice. Yeah. Um, you know, doing a three hour set. Yeah. I wonder if if doing a concert aspect you could have uh you do <clears throat> um six to seven PM mm-hmm. and then somebody comes and does basically seven fifteen because it's a quick acoustic yeah. changeover, seven fifteen to eight or whatever, and then eight fifteen to nine. Basically your same set times as one person would do, but three. Mm-hmm. But then of course you're having a split pay. So is there a way to do that as in Nashville? Because here's the beauty of Nashville. If you want to make a living there, typically I understand it's down on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you been to Nashville? Yes. Okay. So Broadway, for those of you who don't know, is the music bar street yeah avenue whatever you want to call it yeah and they're so are... awesome so terrible at the same time in my opinion oh i would say more terrible <laughs> no i mean I, i've i've been on broadway um it's like drinking from a fire hose in regards yeah. to music i i'll like... never ever forget <laughs> i was walking down there one night and i heard the same i think it was alan jackson jackson or george Strait song three times sure. within five minutes yeah. because the thing about Broadway is like all the front facing bar windows are typically open and the drummer's back is right there for the most yep. part. And so you can hear all these sounds meshing together. And I was like, this is so wild that it's like <laughs> same song, same song, same song. Yeah. So that is cool. But I think as a professional musician that you're not in that scene, it's like, whoa, this is a lot. And I have quite a few really good friends that moved, moved to Nashville, and they're doing exactly that right now. Yeah. And to my surprise, I think they enjoy it. Um, 
But what I was getting, what I was going to say about um, making a living there, they're having they're having paid slots, and there is a base pay there. I understand, and you're making a ton of tips as your income. Um, but they're doing music from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. all day, four hour slot, four hour slot, four hour slot, four hour slot. And when you have literally a hundred or more bars on one street, basically that you can do that at, okay, well, if that was the case in Scottsdale, would more places offer live music if it was cheaper to them to be like, we're going to have a one hour slot to where we can pay X amount of dollars and you're, you're spreading the music out over a full day mm-hmm. because that's the other thing too is that I get a lot of places when they come to me for the first time wanting live music, can we do six hours? I'm like, yeah, with like two different artists. Oh, well, we, we don't want to change over time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, sorry. Yeah, Nobody's going to yeah. sing for yeah. usually any more than four hours. Yeah. And four hours is really a pretty long gig nowadays. Yeah, The only four-hour gigs that... I ever really played was for the most part country bar stuff, which is kind of the Arizona version of what Nashville is doing. Yeah. So I'm just, my, my wheels are always spinning of like, how do we improve live music uh, for clients, for the people performing? How can we make pay more equal and fair and I'm not looking for it to be easier, but just it's all about opportunity mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And if you did it in the original music scene too, then you have a way higher likely chance of like, hey, I can perform all originals for one hour. Now I don't have to go do two and a half hours of cover music and throw in my originals when I can. Yeah. So... I, I don't know, I'm spitballing ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. They they really are. And yeah, I, I'm i sure that's actually like a great business plan, you know, being like, hey, I have four musicians in Scottsdale today. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, do an, do an hour at each one and they get to rotate and you get to have different musicians all day and they get to find their worth like they get to make their money for the mm-hmm. day and then it's great, you know, and uh, that would be appealing to me. I think that the idea of like take, getting to take a break is really nice too Yeah. because I'm still working four hours that day. And let's say I have like a 30 minute break in between that, you know, each hour and it's just an acoustic set. So you have four acoustic musicians running around, right. you know, that that's appealing to me. So, uh, yeah, but is it, is it worth it to make the same money, but now it's technically taking you longer hours, I guess, you know, and, and that's, that's exactly where you run into a problem. Yeah. Like it sounds kind of exciting because it mixes things up and it's like, okay, I'm not at the same restaurant for three hours straight. But if you can't make more money doing it, what's really the point? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unless you're really, obviously, all about the love of it. Sure. Yeah. 
I mean, I love it, but I have to <laughs> be exactly. smart with my yeah. time. So because now you're having to drive somewhere different potentially. Um, the thing with Nashville, obviously, is like, oh, I'm literally performing two doors down in yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, and what's wild about that is those is the majority of those artists and and just musicians in general are doing um, multiple four hour gigs per day. Like they're yeah. playing an instrument for yeah. eight to twelve maybe 16 hours. I'm like, yeah. good Lord, I don't love music that much. No, for sure. <laughs> I physically wouldn't be able to no. do that, you know? So, man, I don't and, know. And maybe that's a $1,000 day for them, fine. Yeah. But, man, that's that's a lot of, like, physical uh, energy you're putting out. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. The the original music scene, though, is, is where I want to help. Mm-hmm. You're helping, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it's really taking that songwriter circle sort of deal and having clients that can agree to they want to offer that. Yes, it's like, oh, cool, you have five great artists. Like, let's pay them. I don't know, seventy-five to a hundred bucks each. But now you have five hours of music. Yeah, you're you're getting, in my opinion, more bang for your buck because. Yeah. Because it's always it's always a kind of an equation of like, are we trying to draw a crowd in earlier than we have, or later, or both? And so if you're trying to put something entertaining in your establishment to draw people in earlier or later, um, is it worth the money? Yeah. But again, it it, it yeah. goes it goes back to like okay, well, we can't have one artist play for five hours. Yeah, that's you can, but there's very few people that are going to agree to that. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, we're all trying our best to make a living, you know. And these these establishments, you know, want to not break the bank by paying all these musicians, but they they know that we do bring people in. Mm-hmm. And we do create a good vibe for them. And so, um, yeah, man, I think there's probably a naive part of me that like doesn't really understand what it's like on their end. And I think you, you've you done a great job at just coming in and being like, hey, let me take over this aspect of live music mm-hmm. for you. Um, I have tried. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, to to add this this aspect of creativity to it of like hey we really want to focus on these musicians getting to showcase their own stuff and their their songwriting and stuff and and allow your space to be a place for them to do that uh you know i wonder what their business mindset is going to be towards that at first yeah. you know <laughs> um it that, that's the hardest thing about this industry it's like especially as a a gigging musician who typically only plays like one original song for each of my gigs. Yeah. It's like total. Yeah. Okay. I I typically only play about one. Okay. Um, and that, you know, that doesn't have to be everybody else, but, uh, I'm still kind of in this journey of like trying to figure out what my sound is and, and like how to promote that and like recording my stuff. And so I'm not really at a place of being like, go follow and listen to all my stuff. Cause I really only have like two songs on SoundCloud right now. Okay. I'm on that journey and I'm sure other people and probably people listening, like have yeah. 10 songs that they, they want to start promoting. And part of them 
doing this job is to promote their stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I was just saying like there, there's always this, this dynamic and struggle of knowing how to do that well, you know, and, and I, you know, because I'm doing this full time, my brain is always going to make money, get the gig, you know, book the show, like all that kind of stuff. I'm not so much thinking about, okay, go sit down and write this song about your feelings, you know? And I, and I, but it's because I'm struggling to like feel confident financially, you know, at the moment. And so, um, so I think not only in inwardly, but like externally also, there's these struggles of business and creativity, you know, in, in the world when we're playing these places out in Scottsdale and Chandler and, and Gilbert and stuff. And, and so, so, so say those two things again, business <laughs> and, and creativity. Those are hard yes. to put together. Yes, they are very hard. And, and that's what I urge anybody that I talk to in the entertainment industry is find that line mm-hmm. and how you can somehow mesh them together. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as those become separate, that's when what your once love and biggest passion was has now turned into what feels like a job that you have to go to. Yeah. As soon as I started being like, Ugh, I got a gig tonight. Yeah. I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I get to go play music to people. Yeah. And probably have a pretty good time and I'm dreading it. Yeah. Why? You know? And and that's but but that's when I realized like, okay, this project that I'm involved in isn't isn't right for me anymore. It, it's making it's making me jaded. Yeah. And and it's it feels soul sucking. Yeah. I hate that feeling, you know. <laughs> but as an original artist that is putting your own music out there, I can only imagine how the cover scene feels. Sure. Um, for me, like whether I'm playing an artist that I'm best friends with, uh, I play drums for Jacob Morris. He lives in yeah. Nashville now. One of my best friends in the world. I love him. I love his music. But it's still not my music. There's a little bit more care from me because I know him personally. But in a way, playing his music as opposed to a Panic at the Disco song is kind of the same thing. It's all cover music to me. Yeah. But as a artist that is creating, I can like I said, I can only imagine that it's like oh, here comes another cover song. Sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I I do have those moments, you know, yeah. for sure. Uh you know, there's some covers that I know people like that I typically just am not like, "Oh, I have to do this one again" or I don't really like this one that much, but then I see people singing along, I'm like, "Okay." But yeah, I, I it's definitely the same stupid song every time. Yes. <laughs> um but my solutions to that so far are get creative with my covers for sure. Mm-hmm. That that's super fun for me to be able to like I play Wonderwall sometimes at gigs 
and and I do it because it's kind of a joke, you know. It's like, okay, yeah. here's Wonderwall, and so <laughs> well, anyways, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, and so I I do it because I do it in a really creative way, and people are like, is this Wonderwall? And then they end up liking it, you know. And I and I like putting that twist on it. Uh, so that's one thing, you know, mm. and that's just an example. And then the other way that I kind of combat that is remembering that this is the first time that a lot of people have heard me. This is their first experience of me. It is my millionth experience of this song, of me singing this song. I can, some of these songs, I can completely let go and just muscle memory sing and play guitar. And I could be having a completely different thought. Oh, what am I going to eat tomorrow? You know, like, oh, that girl over there is cute. You know, whatever. (laughs) Like, I can have all those thoughts while fully singing this song passionately. It's the weirdest thing. Um, I mean, mean, it's literally muscle memory. Yeah, it really is. But I'm remembering that, hey, this is that person over there. This is their first time hearing me. Um, And so, like, let me still be engaging. Like, let me me remember that I'm providing a form of, like, positivity and entertainment for these people right now. Yeah. And so let me not just get stuck in my own head and maybe my boredom a little bit, but in something that's deeper than that. So, right. When you had that moment of like dreading going to a gig, like, do you feel like you had a, like, what was your move after that? Like, what did you decide to do? Uh, <clears throat> starting a booking company. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, here I'm, we not, are. I'm not totally kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I, I, I much more enjoy being on the receiving end of listening and experiencing it than performing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like I, I I've never I've never got gotten to play the true music that I'm super passionate about just because for one it like it has to be a very specific crowd for like a concert. Like I would have to go after being the drummer for a band that I truly like yeah. or put a band together. Um like I'm like I'm very very into like uh, m- melodic progressive metal is what I call it. Cool. <laughs> okay. So basically, like it's really heavy stuff, but it's with singing. It's not yeah. all growling or yeah, anything sure. like that. And and that's just I just love that. But like, uh, that that doesn't really sell at any restaurant. Um, <laughs> maybe some. Maybe some. Yeah. Well, I, actually, this... Sorry, I kicked you. Um, Ouch. Wyatt, <laughs> uh, Wyatt Berry. Do you know Wyatt? That name is super familiar. Okay. Uh, local musician. Uh, great guy. But I had to talk to him a couple times about a set list because he was almost putting too much of his passion into the live performance because oh. he was picking songs that he loved and yeah. I loved. Yeah. But I was like... This sells to a very specific crowd. Sure. And and the one that he was doing was Red by Chevelle. I don't know if you know the band Chevelle. They're no. like early 2000s. Uh, and they're still at it. They're great. But yeah. like, they're more like commercial hard rock. Okay. Um, but one of my favorite bands. And the song was really successful and really big mm-hmm. when we still had like rock radio, you know. Yeah. But I was like, listen, man, I love that you are playing this kind of music, 
but you either have to be really, really selective of where you're playing it. Yeah. Um, or maybe not play it at all. Yeah. And Wyatt, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> I'm not dogging on you. Um, but it, it, but it's a great example because, sure. because that's where I've been at. It's like, I want to play all this music and have the artist that I'm playing with play all this music, but in my head, realistically, I know it's not going to sell. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some ways around that. Like there's some guilty pleasure songs that sure. just so happens I enjoy to play them. Maybe I don't listen to it for enjoyment, but it's just a really fun song to play, and people love it. Um, kind of the biggest surprise recently is is uh, my cover band. We started doing Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. Nice. Yeah. I never listened to that song and went like, ooh, I love this song. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. It's not a crazy difficult song to play, but there's something about... It, it makes me feel a certain way when I'm playing it that I'm excited to play it. And what made it even better is that I was actually really shocked because we were playing it at like uh, country bars. I mean, it has a really rad drum part that... Yeah. that uh there's like a kind of a breakdown in one of the choruses or something like that. But there, yeah, there's basically a breakdown. Yep. Yeah, it's it's great. And the way that it's produced is way less rock band-like than what you can make it uh, playing it live. Yeah. Which I, I actually, it's funny because I looked up their live video of it and I was like, okay, this is how I imagine that it would be played sure. live. Yeah. But I think on purpose, they produced it in a certain way that it wasn't like exactly like Paramore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I think they got sued for that. Oh, because, nice! Because it it does sound it's, exactly it's like very, misery business. Yes, it does. Um, so maybe that was a tactic. <laughs> I have no idea. But I thought when we picked that song up and we're like, let's try it. I didn't know if people were gonna be like, oh my god, I heard this song a thousand times. No, people go nuts. That's awesome. And it's like receiving that energy while you're putting it out because you're enjoying it is is really refreshing. Yeah. Um, more refreshing than you playing a song that like is maybe obscure, maybe a song you really like, but is a little bit more obscure. Yes. Yes. It can be more refreshing. There's a good balance. It's listen, I think it's all about balance in life in general, but especially the love of music performing and business making money side of it. That's a huge balance for us because as with any art, it's an art. Mm-hmm. It's something that a very niche group of people are good at. It's not like you go up to anybody in Target and it's like, do you play music for a living? Yeah. No, they don't. Like, it's a very, very small percentage of people. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of unique in that way. Yeah. And so it's not something that you can just go talk to any random stranger and be like, hey, do you love working your office job? Is that a huge passion and an art? They're like, yeah. no, I make spreadsheets. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Um, Unless you just love doing that, then good for you. I mean, <laughs> you listen, know? I like amazing. a good spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's what was the original question? I don't even remember. I went it, on a tangent. Well, you, no, I think you answered it essentially. It okay. was like when when you did feel that you, you were unbalanced essentially. Like mm-hmm. you were just being, uh, you're just getting tired of the gigging world, you know. 
finding that solution. So I, I know where I was going to go with that. Yes. Is that because I don't feel confident enough as a singer to go do long solo gigs? Yeah. I could probably go do an hour or two if I really had to and and be okay, but I'm not confident enough of a singer at least. Yeah. After this nasal surgery that I have, maybe. Oh, there you go. Uh <laughs> really that is a problem though. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. Sure, exactly, yeah. Um but <laughs> if I was an artist that could make songs my own, then maybe I would enjoy it more. Mhm. But because I do feel like I'm held to having to do what an artist wants to do, I'm just kind of like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah. Uh, f- f- for instance, like I'm playing, um, we're getting the band back together. One of the first bands I was ever a part of <clears throat> was called Burnin' Phoenix. Cool. And Bird or Burn? Burnin'. Oh, Burnin', Burnin Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay. Uh, we were a trio. I was like, 13 years old those guys were in their probably mid to late 20s at the time yeah i was in a band like that kind of in high school were you yeah that's fun it's so cool because it's kind of cool being like the younger person looking back on it now Uh, but they are they've they've rebranded to dead city revival and they have a show this friday and they're like hey dude because because they kind of want me to start um managing them okay which has been kind of a long drawn out in the works conversation um, that we're working towards. Uh, But they were like, Hey, can we just kind of start contracting you as a drummer when, when we need it? And I was like, I would love that because I have such great memories of playing with that band. Um, But it is funny. Like they sent me all these new songs that I don't know. (laughs) And so practicing those songs, I don't, I'm not as excited and passionate about as revisiting these songs from literally 14, 15 years ago that they bring back memories. And so like when I'm going through this playlist and and practicing all of these dozen songs, I have to force myself to practice the new ones that I don't know. And it's, I'm not saying that I'm not going to begin to love them. Some of them I already really really like and i think they're really solid songs but there's obviously that feeling attached to old memories because you were playing these songs and so immediately i'm like i want to play this song i want to practice it but i don't need to practice it i already know it yeah you know yeah so yeah it's it's just constantly that balance of like passion and it feeling like a job yes yes um what what is your so you said that you had a band that you played in when you were super young and were they like older musicians yeah some of them were um some of them were in high school also uh what age was your first first band that that was my first one yeah i i had kind of been new to like really being a musician i think i was 14 and uh they were like my brother's friends and they were all musicians Mm -hmm. and and cool guys i the one that like maybe has more of a name out here is nick sterling yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> he would, and he was, and he's an incredible guitarist. Yes. But he was the drummer in our band because he was just that talented of a guy. What age was this? Uh, this was probably the year like two thousand nine. So this was still like long blonde hair. Oh yeah. 
like shredding Nick Sterling. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Back in the day, yeah. He he was over at my house like every day. Okay, you know, and so I've known him for a long time. Him and I, and my brother, were good friends. Um, but like him and just some other random guys from high school, and and uh, I remember like one of our coolest moments. We were a blues band. Our our name was Soul Order Sound. I don't get it. I still don't know what it's that kind of means. A cool name, but though. you know, we we got through it. And uh, we played the school talent show, and we won the talent show. And it was oh. just like the cool, one of the coolest moments ever. And really, like my first time being on stage in front of a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think like solidified me being like, I think I want to do this. Like I think this is this is really exciting. So um, yeah, that was that was a cool moment for me. I I was our uh, harmonica player and our keyboardist. Cool. So I would kind of jump back and forth between the two. So, oh, because you were a blues band. Okay. Yeah, so blues band. Yeah. yeah. So harmonica made sense, you know. Yeah. It, um, you're like we're a metal band and we're playing harmonica. Yes, totally. <laughs> so and uh, cool guys, but they were they kind of spent all our money that we made from any gigs on like marijuana. <laughs> classic <laughs> and i was just not you know i i didn't yeah. smoke and so uh eventually we just kind of parted ways and yeah. i started doing solo stuff so but and that you, was really like my intro you know have you done solo stuff ever since yeah okay yeah i've never been in a band ever since then i mean i've i've done shows with bands yeah. um as keyboardists and guitarists and stuff like that but uh that was the one and only time i've ever had a band and i really think i want to get back into it it was exciting, you know? You should. Yeah. Especially if you have original stuff. Yes. That, I mean, unless it's meant to be solo. Yeah. No, it's it's none of I've nothing that I've ever written has really meant to be to stay solo. I've always oh, cool. heard it as a full band. So then do it. Yeah. Y- you you know the the uh talent field is stacked. Yes, it is stacked out here. And yeah. that's partially why I'm trying to like kind of create this community. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of selfish reasons for this. Yes, I am doing it for other people That's too, fine. but it's like I do want to meet great musicians. Anytime that I see a new one, like on Instagram or something, I'll follow them. Mm-hmm. And just because I like, I want to know who's out here and and what's going on. And and uh, yeah, it's stacked out here for sure. There's just not really like a a uh, a perfect way to get to continue to meet each other and know each other. It's just, it's kind of random, you know? And so, and it's never going to be perfect, but at least like we can try. And I would love to be kind of a spearhead and a catalyst of creating that. So, Um, when you lived in San Fran, Mm -hmm. did you go out and play gigs like you do here? I did a couple. Uh, I, the first week I moved there, I went and I played at this place called Hotel Utah. And it was an open mic. Okay. And uh, I played, it was a five-hour open mic, and I got the second to last slot. <laughs> and if you've ever done, if anybody's ever done an open mic, they're so great, and they're the worst thing ever. It just uh, depends who's there. It depends on who's there. And when it's San Francisco, great place, but they're kind of like, yeah, anybody can show up. Oh. You You have about four and a half hours of... Well, you have about 30 minutes just, of just be incredible honest. artists, four and a half hours of like, what am I kind of watching right now? Yeah. You know, people, you know, dancing around and just screaming in a mic. <laughs> Seriously, like very strange stuff. Like, so, like backing tracks, just. Yes. Just <laughs> uh, like for, you know. Dude, I believe yes. it. So uh, 
um, that I just remember being like, is that what it's going to be like out here? And I did a kind of a couple other stuff, but I never really, yeah. I never really got into it. Um, it, it wasn't as much of a music city as I was expecting. That's what I was going to ask. Yes. Is that, do we, do I think that Phoenix is stacked because this is the only place I've ever lived or is it truly, but it does sound like, like San Fran is a massive market. You know, why does Phoenix metro area just happen to have so many heavy, heavy hitters? Yeah. And maybe they are in San Fran and you didn't find them, but like if you were going places and not immediately finding heavy hitters, you know, why did they flock to Phoenix and other markets? Yeah. Like, I would musicianship. I would personally put Phoenix up against some of the other uh, bigger markets. Sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. There yeah. are really talented people here who, you know, sat in their were sitting in their bedroom for the past, you know, eighteen years, noodling on guitar and getting mm-hmm. incredible. Um, it it. I think people out here are really passionate about music. Mm-hmm. In other places, you know, LA and Nashville. It's great because that is such a, a career out there, and that's amazing, and, and it should be, and it is for a lot of us. Um, but out here, it was just people were just loved guitar, loved piano, loved to sing, you know? And, it, it, and so I think it's creating really authentic musicians and creating a really authentic um, community of musicians that are just, just want to play. Yeah. And they don't see it as competitive. They don't see it as like, this is the thing that's going to like make or break for me, you know, and I, that's the only thing I'm going for. They're just like, oh, I love guitar. That's I, how it should be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, and I'm not saying like other people don't have that passion, you know, mm-hmm. in those places, but I would just say it feels like there was less pressure out here in some way. And when you get to San Francisco, partially because of the rent and just... You know, and so much that's, that's going point. on down there, like the pressure is higher, you know, and, and maybe that creates for more excellence in some ways, but, but uh, not community, not so much community, you yeah. know, and maybe not so much of like, uh, yeah, just this like joy and ease of, of the art, you know? Yeah. And so, but man, I mean, I went out to Nashville about a year ago and was just kind of hanging out with some different musicians and they're all extremely talented too, you know? So, you know, out here, you know, at times you can feel like, you know, top of your game and then you go out there and you are the, you are the bottom of the barrel in That's some wild. ways. It's crazy, yeah. you know? It, it's also uh, it's hard cool. too because of social media. Like you see, oh, man. you see video after video come over your feed and it's like, you can do what? Yes. Like with ease, with much ease. Yes. Um, but I, I don't, I don't believe that you necessarily have to be the absolute best. If you want to, great. I think that's something to strive for, but don't be mediocre and be like, I'm going to go make a living. And we both know that there's a lot of people that do that in every state. But at the same time, like, there is a difference between being just good enough and um, proficient, Mm -hmm. maybe is the word. Um, But just 
playing music and knowing what people enjoy and making it your own, as you were saying earlier, you said playing Wonderwall, um, but you kind of make it your own. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's actually my number, pretty much my number one piece of advice to new artists that approach me. And I'm not going to be the guy that's like, I have people approach me all the time and like, oh, sure. I want to get started. Tanner, what do I do? That doesn't have all time. Yeah. Occasionally it does. Sure. And that is like my number one piece of advice is like, find a list of songs that isn't so unique that nobody's going to know them, but you should always strive to be finding the songs that people forgot about. Because what you have to realize is that Mm. we have played Dreams by by Fleetwood Mac a thousand times, right? Um, (laughs) But I was DJing at uh, for a fashion show in Scottsdale Fashion Square uh, this past Saturday. And there's like a billion people there. Um, but as the event ended, I was asked to play up until my contracted time. Yeah. And I have a, a Dreams remix kind of that I played. I have this older woman come up to me and she's like, thank you so much for playing that song. That brought back so many yeah. memories. Yeah. And I love that song. She's like, you probably didn't see me, but I was over there singing and dancing. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Totally. It really is the best. That is what makes, and and that's just me pressing play. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it's an an intentional (laughs) you pressing play. You're saying, I know this song is well liked and, and you're going to, it's going to hit every type of person every age and it's a remix and so it's an it's something new it's something exciting it's not just like oh yeah, this is kind of cool like there's an intentionality behind that and and we have that opportunity as artists as covering artists or djs and so getting to figure that out as a musician is it's a lot of fun it's it's being like oh this is potentially going to be kind of impactful to somebody Mm-hmm. You know, and like I sing another Fleetwood Mac, I sing Landslide. Yeah. And people, you know, stop and they sit, and, you know, they'll be in the middle of a full conversation and they'll stop because that song is like the most emotional, beautiful song in existence, you know? Yeah. And they, they will stop to listen and sing that song. And for so many people, it has so many huge memories. And so I do my best, that song, oh, that's the hardest song I sing because it has that impact on people. Yeah. So I do my best to be intentional about singing it well, choosing the right key, uh, making sure my voice is ready for it and everything and putting it at a perfect time in the set. So uh, yeah, there's so many things like that during my sets that are just um, really, it, it reminds me of why I do it and why I love it. Yep. And and I think it's important for us, especially when it is a lonely type of job, to continue to find those types of things that keep us going. It's one of the most important things to remember, whether you are very seasoned or starting out, is just because you have played that song a thousand times does not mean everybody else has. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of like, to me, <laughs> to, to me hearing Landslide for the first time in a year would be like, Huh? Mm-hmm. I hear it all the time, right? Yeah. Or whatever song. Yeah. 
But to that person, for whatever reason, they might go, oh my God, that was my favorite song when I was a little girl or yeah. whatever. And I haven't heard of that song in so long. And to me, that's always kind of interesting because it's like, well, if you love this song so much, why do you not listen to it more? But that's not me to judge. If if it made an impact on you, that is that is why we're here doing what we do. And it's always um, it's always like uh, two different uh, physical movements that they do. You start playing a song and you see somebody go, yep. Or you see them do this, yeah. Or if you get both, yeah. That's the that's the, yeah. the grand slam. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but dreams has that impact. Like yeah. um, we usually play dreams. <laughs> That's it's awesome. live, baby. Show yes. business. I'm not cutting it. Screw it. I got dogs. I'm at home. Uh, but we, we played Dreams early in the set at uh, Whiskey Row because it's kind of a two-step song. Yeah. And every single time we play it, we'll play like our upbeat country stuff for like four or five songs, then we'll do Dreams. And you look around the room and it's... The first fill, people are like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. yeah. The other song that is wildly the other uh, way on genre wise is uh, Fall Out Boy, Sugar We're Going Down. Oh, nice. It always amazes me that they know the drum beat before yeah. the the guitars even come in. Yeah. Do, 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 caca, do, 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 do. I get through like the first, do, 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 caca, and people are like, ah. <laughs> but that's. What I'm getting at is that's why we do that. Exactly. Yeah. So. It is fun. It's fun every time yeah. to see those reactions. And I've played Dreams and Fallout Boy many, many times now with primarily the same band. Um, but when you get that reaction, you're like, now I'm having way more fun. Yeah. That's why we do it. So um, I think that's a good place to end. Cool. Uh, I want you to promote um, your socials and your original music and... Yeah. Uh, Tell the people where to find you. Tell them where to find me while I pet this dog right here. Yeah. Great way to end. Um, <laughs> you can follow me. Instagram is the best spot at your pal Jesse. And I love that. thanks. <laughs> um, I post covers and typically where I play on that. Um, I just kicked you again. It's I'm okay. Sorry. You know, we're fine. Um, and then I have a SoundCloud, Jesse French Music. Uh, I have a couple originals on there that I just kind of recorded in a closet one day. And yeah, I'm local in Phoenix. My goal this year, I would love to connect with like a local artist who's just looking for maybe a guitarist or a keyboardist that just like wants to play shows and needs somebody like who's more of an instrumentalist. Mm -hmm. So if that's you or you know somebody who's looking for somebody, that's just like, that's another step for me, I think, in my career. So um I love playing my own stuff. I love gigging, but I really like playing other people's stuff too. So, well, I mean, you're you're creating a new community too for original music, and sure, we're gonna help each other with that. So, yeah, yeah, we, we hope that that goes somewhere. Sure, yeah, I think if if you're out there and you're playing music and doing this job, and you just need a friend who's also doing it, hit me up and just we'll grab coffee or a beer or something and and write a song together. You know, there's music is so cool and there's so many ways to make it collaborative and bigger than just us sitting alone in our bedroom. And so I want to champion that for myself. I need it. And if you need it, please reach out and 
yeah, let's make it I love bigger it, than ourselves, you know? I love it, man. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thanks for joining, man. Yeah, appreciate and, you, man. And um, we'll do this again soon. Cool. Love it. Bye, guys. See you Later. next time.